0: Hello, and welcome to Connected by Life. I'm your host, Sean Paul Harrison. Today is the second part of a three-part series, Light workers, Together We Are Better, and our special guest is Dr. Dyke Drummond. Today, we're gonna to really be focusing in on the organ procurement organization that is working collaboratively with the physicians and healthcare workers in regards to supporting families through loss and the journey to give life to others. Physicians and healthcare partners play such a critical role in supporting families experiencing loss. And today is gonna be more focused on the organ procurement organization working very collaboratively with the physicians and the hospital staff in regards to these families. Dr. Dyke Drummond is the CEO of happymd.com. He's also the author of Stop Physician Burnout He's a leader, an entrepreneur, a mentor, and a dear friend.
1: Thanks for inviting me again, Sean Paul. And I remember when you and I first met years ago, uh, we were having the conversation of what it must be like for the doctor at the point when you have a situation where donation is possible, what it must be like for the doctor uh, with a patient that they cannot cannot save. I'm going to use the S word, that they can't save. And how you have to prepare yourself and them for that in order to um, optimize the experience for the family and optimize the decisions to donate uh, when it's appropriate.
0: Yeah, and one of the things you know I wanted to mention—it's always been important to me since we started working together—is—is is that that trust and that relationship that is built far beyond that experience with that family because there's there is so much going on. And I'll never forget one of the things, and it's resonated with me for so long is that, you know, in, in working with that physician and the healthcare staff, is making sure that they know that, you know, today, you know, may look a lot different than it does tomorrow, as far as for the experience and working with that th- family. But our relationship will always remain the same. So that's building that trust in regards to, because I can't imagine what it's like for you as a physician or physicians in general. Uh, like you said, you know, they're, they're, trying to save a life that unfortunately they can't. And then they're working together and it's almost like handing off that patient or that family. You know, it's something for an opportunity to give life to another, but it still has to be difficult for you all.
1: Well, and that was one of the things that uh, made me sit up straight when I was talking to you. You, you said to me, well, uh, the patient's ours now. It's not the doctor's patient anymore. And I said, hang on a second in any doctor's um, spirit, there's a board where they hang pictures of the patients they weren't able to save. That patient will always be on that wall Mm -hmm. for that doctor. It's It's not a question of whose patient is it, but they will always see that in some way even though everybody would admit that it was impossible to save the life of that particular individual, they will see it as a failure. And to release that to you, which is what does need to happen is a handoff of responsibility to you and your staff. That's not an easy thing to do. And what I told you that day was, ideally, the person that you're talking to, the trauma surgeon, the intensivist Uh, the ER doctor, whoever it is that's the physician of record for this patient, ideally, at the time when you're having this conversation with them, they already know you. (laughs) You've had them in some sort of training situation where you've gone through what it means to have this conversation, the important parts of how to work with the family. and And ideally, you told them in this training, Dr. Jones, The next time I see you, things are going to be very different. However, remember my face and remember our training, and we'll figure it out.
0: (laughs) Well, another example, and again, you know, I I can't take credit for very much, and I try not to, but someone who gave me the example of, you know, when you're working with the physicians and you're working with the staff, that you're not face-to-face, that you're shoulder-to-shoulder, and you're looking towards the same goal. And that is supporting that family and also giving an opportunity to give life something good that can come out of it. So I think that's very important to to remember as well.
1: And when I talk to you about what's important about these conversations, because let's just be clear, I'm not an intensivist, a trauma surgeon. OK, I'm a I'm a person who works. Uh, every moment of my professional life with burned out physicians, with doctors who are struggling in their practices. We talk about what it feels like on the inside when things don't go the way you want. One of the things that you said was the most important thing at this point where you have a patient who is not going to survive and you've gone through all the testing where you know that that's true. If we were to terminate life support um, machinery, this patient would pass. We have that moment and we can continue to support them in that emotional moment when for the physician this is this is potentially considered a loss it's important to slow down and the natural instinct of Most doctors in negative circumstances like this natural human instinct would be to speed it up and be done with it and walk away and not have to think about it anymore. So uh, to be able to speak to these people and to train them and to build a relationship so that when you are meeting at the side of the bed, shoulder to shoulder, facing this patient and this family that's had this tragedy, that you can maintain awareness, maintain your presence and slow things down. Because the most important thing is that the family has time to process the decision that stands in front of them.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the things that, you know, you and I have gone back and forth on because of the importance of it is when the conversation of of donation, the opportunity of giving life to another, when that is the most appropriate. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a good time because this family has lost a loved one. It is the worst day in their life. But working together with that physician to transition from the end-of-life conversation to the continuum of life and be able to to meet them where they are.
1: Well, and there's technical things that you have to talk about, like the tests that you have to run to prove uh, brain death and things like that. But there's also to give them the time to make peace and closure. And um, we're talking about hours when you would wish that you had weeks. (laughs) So it's all contracted into this timeframe where the most important thing too, remember I said, that you know these doctors, that you have an outreach to them, that you have them in training, if you can identify most of them so that they're not meeting you for the first time. There's also the relationship between you and the physicians where they trust you and your team. They've met you and your people who are now going to take over comforting the family and making the donation um, uh, process uh, manageable for them so that as they turn and look and they see Sean paul they also see the team members that they met in their training. They recognize you and they feel confident in pausing and handing off to you because they know you're going to do a good job and they know you personally.
0: Well, that is one of the most meaningful things too, is that they understand that they feel that they're a part of the process. And even though the patient has died and that fear, that feeling of failure, that they can be a part of something. Um, and it's not just a line that is separating the organ procurement organization and the hospital, that we're doing this together. Now, the conversations, you know, the death may be a conversation for the physician, then obviously the opportunity of donation is coming from, you know, our family advocate that works for the organ procurement organization. But we're all a part of this. We are a team. And so that's one of the things that we want to make sure that, uh, that
1: everyone truly feels a part of and understands and then my understanding is that you have trainings that you do with the physicians and and with your team and with other members of the ICU staff so that that so that people actually can go through scenarios of this transition is that right
0: we do have ongoing education for hospital and within our organ procurement organization that does give scenarios to our family advocates you know you can't replicate these scenarios but you do as best as you can making sure that uh, we can set each person up um you know for success as far as for you know the role that they play within the process
1: right on and then and then how do you um if you could encapsulate it just in in a few sentences give us the 50,000 foot view when i as a physician have introduced your team um and how would you like me to introduce your team? And then what would be the first things that you would say to the patient's family? That is a really good
0: question, because it is something that we get often as far as for the physicians wanting to know, because they do oftentimes want to be separate as far as for the conversation of death and the conversation of donation. And recently, a physician gave me a, a really wonderful example. He said that it wasn't anything mind-blowing, but I thought that it was it was really good because it's it's... It's real. You know, it's being very transparent. And he said that one of the ways that he introduces is that he makes sure that the family understands his role. And he goes through all the tests. He, he prepares the family for the testings that they do for brain death. So they know that next time they come in what those results are going to be, whether it's positive or negative. It's not as though the first conversation is that their loved one has died. So he preps them for the test prior to, but then that second conversation, if the results are negative and their loved one has died, then he has that conversation. And then he asks us if there's any more clinical questions for him and if they pause and if they say no. Then he says that, you know, then there's going to be a a family support specialist that's going to come and walk them through the next steps. And then he also states, and a lot of physicians do this, is kind of bring it back to their loved one and say, right now, it's just important for you to spend more time with your loved one until someone comes in.
1: Right. And and notice, and and the thing that was interesting to me when we first talked about this, notice who's not asking about donation. It's not the doctor. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We're trying to maintain presence and trying to maintain focus in a situation where you would want to speed through it. So it doesn't surprise me that sometimes things can get a little awkward if the doctor says, okay, we have brain death, here's here's how it is, Um, and these are the criteria, and now it's time for you to, and all of a sudden they're talking about donation before they introduce your people. You had told me that that's one of the situations that can be awkward and not give the family a fair chance to settle into what they really want to do in the moment.
0: Yeah, premature conversation of donation does have some negativity to it because one, the family is just hearing this news for the first time about the death. And that's difficult to, to retain all that and often has a lot of questions or, you know, just needs that time to absorb before they can move forward at all. And then the other thing is too, if it is premature, sometimes that causes a mistrust with the healthcare uh, provider or the physician or whoever that might be. So then you have a challenge. When it does come time to have that discussion of donation with the family support specialist with the organ procurement organization, so you sometimes it puts a boulder there. and we want to make sure that we are working cohesively um, so that we can, you know have the most appropriate conversation.
1: And I want to underline that for any doctor who's listening right now, when you have a relationship with the Organ Procurement Association and you're in a situation of brain death with the patient, you are not expected to be the person who talks about the donation decision. It's not your job clinically, take care of the patient, interpret the test, and then a handoff is what's needed at that point to the professionals who handle these kinds of conversations all the time.
0: Well, thank you, Dr. Drummond. Uh, Again, this is something we could go on all day about. So uh, we do have one more episode. So we look forward to revisiting this conversation again. So thank you. You're welcome. Today was a wonderful conversation with Dr. Dyke Drummond on our second episode of Lightworkers Together We Are Better. If you want to learn more about Dr. Dyke Drummond, you can go to his website, thehappymd.com, and also he has a podcast, Physicians On Purpose. Thank you for listening, and remember, you can register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor at any time at registerme.org. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, Please subscribe to Connected by Life on any of your favorite podcast apps. And remember, you're a light worker. Keep shining. This is a production of LOPA. The content in this podcast is intended for informational purposes only and not intended to substitute for professional medical advice. To read our full disclaimer, please visit our website. The Connected by Life podcast is hosted by myself, Sean Paul Harrison. Our executive producer is Kirsten Heinz, our production assistant is Chandra Williams, and we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.